Welcome to Ride With Us, presented by the American Coaster Enthusiasts, the world's largest ride enthusiast organization dedicated to the appreciation, promotion, and preservation of roller coasters across the globe. Please keep your hands and feet inside the podcast at all times as we welcome your host, Jessica Gardner and John Davidson. Hello, enthusiasts. Jessica here. By now, you've all probably heard about the must-get coaster credit that's inside the Mass Mocha. That's the Massachusetts Museum of Contemporary Art. It's a pink coaster that only one person at a time may ride called Brava that's part of an exhibition called the Break Run Helix. Maybe you've been lucky enough to snag a reservation to be able to ride it, or maybe, like me, you have tried multiple times to get a reservation <laughs> and failed. <laughs> All right, but that technically that was my fault. I was on the East Coast for a short amount of time and I waited too long and nothing opened up, so that's on me. Well, what you may not know, but perhaps could have guessed, is that the artist behind this exhibit is a coaster enthusiast like you and me. And in fact, this is not his first art to include roller coasters and other theme park related pieces. And I am so lucky because he is here with me right now and you're all going to meet him and get to know him. So please welcome artist EJ Hill. EJ, thanks for being here. Well, thank you, Jessica. You have no idea. This is huge for me as well. So I'm very excited to be speaking with you about this work and just coasters in general. So thank you. Yes. So first, let's get and uh, figure out your origin story here. So tell us all where you're from. Um, I'm from LA, uh, Los Angeles, born and raised. Um, I've lived in a few different places since then. Um, spent a few years in Chicago, going to college and um, bounced around the Northeast between uh, Massachusetts and Maine, New Hampshire for a little bit in like 2005 to seven. Um, lived in New York City for a quick year. Um, yeah, just kind of bounced, bounced all over. Um, and now I'm back home in LA, um, hoping to plant for a while. Uh, so would you consider your home park Magic Mountain? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Me too. We're neighbors. Absolutely. Yay. <laughs> What's your I mean, favorite coaster over there? Just while X2. we're X2. I just like, yeah, right. it's like it's as soon as you yeah, it's just so unreal, you know? And it it even though I know that it's going to deliver the same thing each time, it's almost like it's the first time I'm feeling those sensations every single time. It never gets old. You're on either two sides of X2. Either you love it <laughs> uh <-huh. laughs> or it scares the crap out of you, but you have to do it yeah. <laughs> because it's amazing. I'm, I'm on that side. <laughs> oh. <laughs> no, I've done it so many multiple times, but each time I'm just like, oh, why do I do that to myself? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. My, I actually, um, I have a friend who used to um go to cal arts that school in valencia just not too far from the park and um we would meet up there often just to like ride a few coasters and then go home but i think we're you know we're both getting older so it doesn't settle in our bodies the same way it used to and we went one day i was like hey do you want to meet up and we're like hang out at metro mountain for a sec and so we did and x2 was the first thing that we got on that day it was super hot very Oof. humid we stood in line for way too long. And then as soon as we got off the coaster, we were like, okay, I, like that, that might be it for us. For <laughs> That's it for so, today. <laughs> yeah, we just went, got on one ride and we were like, we can't hang the way we used to, but no, yeah, I know. especially on that coaster. 
it's still a good day. It's still if any day you get to ride next to that's still a good day. Right? Sure, or or true. any good coaster, that's a good day. What's um, your favorite? Oh gosh, right now it's Twisted Colossus, but it changes all the time. Yeah. I love RMC. I just love Twisted Colossus, but I specifically love it when the two trains line up. Mm-hmm. And when it doesn't, I can't help but be a little bit disappointed. So, yeah, that's but fair. that's always if I have a choice. If I had like thirty minutes, like um, I'm just gonna go on Twisted Twisted Colossus. But Wonder Woman for me close second just i love but i love wonder Woman. anyway this is not about me (laughs) (laughs) what got you into coasters in the first place you know i i'm i always try to pinpoint that and i'm not exactly sure when or what it was but i do remember being a kid and you know we would take field trips either to magic mountain or knott's berry farm when i like i'm remembering as like early as you know first grade Um, six years old and I wasn't tall enough to ride many of the roller coasters but I was always just really enamored by like the driving up to the park and you could like see them in the distance and they're doing their seemingly like slow crawl through their course and it just was so exciting and I remember you know Montezuma's Revenge being my first like proper coaster ever um but prior to that i got on some like you know quick uh uh, like traveling weekend coaster at the la county fair when i was (laughs) younger but montezuma's was like my first like you know park coaster and since then i've just been hooked and and i can't really remember like why or i don't know i had the original like connects um wrote like looping coaster from like I think what was that like 94 maybe and so like it's just been something in my childhood um and it just has followed me throughout my life Montezuma's Revenge that's a great first coaster I cannot wait are you so excited for it to come back I am (laughs) I am so excited about the plans for Monty as they call it I try to call it that. I just sort of like jokingly call it that. It works. Um, so that's how you got into coasters. How did you get into art? Uh, art was a little more um, circuitous. That that ended up happening by accident because I, I was never really like a good student in school. And so like didn't really have good grades. And so I didn't really have any college ambition or any plans to do anything after high school. And so I was working at this summer camp in Maine, actually. And this artist, Margaret Nomentana, uh, who I often cite as my first art mentor, she's this painter, or she is this painter who lives in Maine. Um, and at the time, uh, you know, I think we're, we're like, maybe, I don't know, like 40 years age difference. So she's like a, you know, older, um, older artist who I think just saw something in me, saw a creative spark. And identified something and said, hey, I think you should go to art school. And I was like, well, I don't really, you know, I'm not really interested in art and I don't really want to go to college. And so she just pressed me and we kept in touch and she sent me an email with colleges and schools that she thought might um, uh, be a good fit for me artistically. And Columbia College was one of those schools. And I ended up applying on a whim, a total gamble and got in and uh, the rest is, as they say, history. Wow. So wait, you were, you were drawing or painting or like what? I wasn't doing anything. <laughs> I was just like, <laughs> I was like working at this summer camp and I don't know, I guess maybe just had like an artful vibe. I don't know. Wow. I was like making stuff in the arts and crafts room, like, you know, beaded friendship bracelets and stuff, but I wasn't like making art, you know? 
Weird. Wow. I mean, yeah. that's just so fascinating. Gotta love teachers and just right? people who could see something in us that can sometimes just inspire us. Mm -hmm. That's so beautiful. I love that. So wow. And Columbia College. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So that, so I would say that that worked out for you. <laughs> I think so. I, I might be doing okay, you know, at least this week. <laughs> so when did posters come mm -hmm. in or or have they always been there like when was this overlap do you remember that like first moment is uh, that how it was um so this is this is a like a fun question because the curator of the mass mocha exhibition ali fortis asked me the same thing and and i have often said it was in 2016 when I made this sculpture, uh, this like scaled down version of like a, you know, uh, just an, like an out and back, traditional out and back. But um, I think that was the first time I had made something on that scale. But when I looked back at everything, we were going through the archives in preparation for the Mass Mocha show. And there's um, a black and white photograph that I took on this old busted Minolta, um, film camera from 2009 at Kittyland, oh, just outside of Chicago on their um, wooden coaster, whose name I'm forgetting right now. But um, I think that was the first time it showed up in an artwork. I, you know, I made a photograph, but then when I look back, you know, I referenced the Connects coaster earlier. When I look back, that could have been my first build experience of a roller coaster. And I wasn't thinking of it as art back then, but if I make the connections to what I'm doing now, it's very much in line with everything that I'm interested in. Um, I think I just didn't have the language for it back then, but as a proper like art piece, I would say probably, I don't know, 2009 professionally and maybe in third grade, my drawings and my notebook of different coasts you know it's just You're like one of those kids i was absolutely yeah. one of those kids <laughs> they're like yeah he's not really paying attention in class it's just like drawing roller coasters in the margins and yeah i was definitely one of those kids wow that's so funny I, I, there's a part of me that pictures you being in, in your college dorm being like coasters art yeah. Co wait coasters in my art <laughs> sorry. Exactly. So, i'm sorry i'm the, being silly but is there a way how how would you describe your work your mm. art i i was um struggling to um sort of do that myself and i should mention to our listeners if you'd like to see some of ej's art and uh see what we're talking about his website is ejhill.info so listeners if you'd like to follow along we're going to talk about some of those pieces i'm sure nothing compares to seeing it live but uh just for reference so ej how would you describe what you do would you call them installations exhibits like i for someone who's not very versed in the art world myself in that way how how would you describe it experiences um i would say all of the above you know i've i've gotten you know through my experience in art school um and now working professionally as an artist i i you know there's there's certain lingo and language that's commonplace and what i've realized uh and you know that for me the beginning of all of this, I was really intimidated by a lot of, I'm still intimidated by a lot of art and artists and art spaces and museums. Like it never really feels like home to me. I always feel like I'm in like artist cosplay or drag or something. And so like when, you know, 
the terms that get thrown around like installation or peace or all of these things, it doesn't feel real to me. It's sort of just how I've been trained to speak. And I feel like, um, all right, hold on. I feel like I'm getting really convoluted. I'm going to shake. No, this is fascinating. This is fascinating to me though, because even as I sit here and was trying to, I was looking at your work and seeing what you do and just like, how would you classify it? Or do you not even want to classify it as, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I don't for the most part, but you know, I, I, the thing that I struggle with even still, as I work in this field is that art, contemporary art can be very elitist and very classist and just like, so, um, isolating and, uh, yeah, it doesn't always feel like the most welcoming space. And so, as someone who it's like very important for me to to make art and you know offer experiences that speak to like a wide um, swath of people, um, I had been trying to access a large, broad audience through my art for a while, but for whatever reason, uh, it was always really challenging, or I couldn't, and I was a part of the you know or perceived as a part of this uh, elitist. Um, class and so when I sort of let that go and was like you know what I'm just gonna make art about what I love and I'm not gonna try hard to like make any grand statement about anything I just love roller coasters I don't care if it has any sort of art historical precedent or I don't care like how it fits within the legacy of contemporary art I'm just gonna do it because I love it the irony was that that was the thing that just like by nature it uh, reached more people than I could have like ever imagined. And so I think there's something, there's something really true and honest about pursuing something for the pure love of it. And rather than like trying to make some grand statement about, uh, I don't know, some big lofty idea. That's beautiful. I totally relate to that. I'm an actor myself and in the acting community and the entertainment world here in LA, that definitely resonates when you're trying to do it for someone else versus trying to do it for yourself and what a difference that makes. Mm -hmm. Anyway, that was beautiful. I really want to talk about, um, from being on your website, ejhill.info, uh, some of the pieces that I saw, um, before we get to Brava and the break run helix. Um, I really want to talk about rises in the East. I have to say that was the first piece of yours that just like really, I first of all, is it still there? Does it still exist um, somewhere? Yeah, <laughs> it's sculpture. It's still there in Joe W. Brown Park in New Orleans East, um, which is only maybe a mile or two from the former Jazzland Six Flags site. Um, just down, oh yeah, down the road a little bit. It's still there, to- and it's permanent. I have to go see this at some point because even just online, um, those the photos of it are beautiful. For those who haven't seen it, look it up. This sculpture, this sculpture um looks kind of like half a Ferris wheel, but also like a sunrise. And it has this one single gondola on top, which I read was from Six Flags Jazzland, which for those of you who don't know, the mega amusement park in New Orleans that was open from 2000 and and closed because of hurricane Katrina. Mm -hmm. What was that? Oh my goodness. I'd love to hear about that and how that all came about. And how did you get the gondola? (laughs) Yeah, right. Um, It's still surreal to think about that experience, but I, um, there's this, um, there's this 
organization in New Orleans called Prospect New Orleans. And it's this art exhibit that happens every three years in the city. And um, they invite artists from, I think, mostly the U.S., but um, also from around the world or, um, to, to come to New Orleans and make an artwork. And not all of them are public works, you know, some, they, but they basically take over the whole city in different museums and spaces for about six months. And so when I got the invitation to participate in the last um, iteration of this, I uh, I knew that I wanted to do something around Six Flags New Orleans. Like I didn't know what the artwork was going to be, or I didn't know what form all of this was going to take. But I knew, you know, I had this site in my mind since I first saw images of it underwater. You know, like it was yeah. it's just like really impactful imagery and I wasn't able to go when the park was open so my only experience of it has been post Katrina yeah. and so I did a bunch of research and when I um, pitched to the exhibition organ organizers um, I was like okay I've got it I've got the idea for the artwork I want to take the existing Ferris wheel that's still at the park and take it out of the park give it a nice buff and shine and rewire and basically bring it back to life and have it be a functional Ferris wheel in the city of New Orleans. But, um, you know, kind of akin to, you know, the London Eye or the Singapore Flyer or any other Ferris wheel that's starting to, you know, they're calling them observation wheels now, but like transforming the landscape of a city and it's like creating revenue for the city. And so I proposed this basically like large scale civic project. And they were like, yeah, that sounds great, but like, what if we start small? And so the compromise, you know, as you can imagine, a lot of legal and financial hurdles to move a Ferris wheel out of a park. Um, so the compromise was if we do it in stages um, over maybe many years, we could hopefully, fingers crossed, one day get the actual wheel out of the park before oh it's... um you know, before it goes to whoever it's going to. Um, but for now, we were able to get a single gondola from the wheel and build our own uh, structure, like a Ferris wheel replica or half of a Ferris wheel and have it be like a, yeah, just a static sculpture. What does it mean to you? Um, I, so I, even though I'm not from New Orleans, I do know quite intimately in my body and my own personal history what it feels like to have your neighborhood sort of overlooked or forgotten i think a lot of immigrant communities and black and brown neighborhoods um, across the country are often deprioritized or um you know neglected for maybe more dense or popular parts of a city. Um, and I think New Orleans is a special case because, you know, it's a, 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 you know, Mardi Gras and Bourbon Street draws huge crowds, but New Orleans East is kind of, um, after Katrina, uh, the businesses and um, a once thriving place is, is sort of like tapering off. And so my experience parallel to that was growing up in South Central Los Angeles and after 92, when, you know, lots of the businesses burned down, there are still empty lots in the neighborhood where businesses used to be um, in 92. And so, like, I know what that feels like to just have these, like, big empty spots in in your backyard, in your own neighborhood. And so I think some of this was more like, um, what would it mean 
if an artist and a team of creatives came in to rethink what could be possible for the future of a um, of a neglected neighborhood and this was just one of those um one of those thoughts that we're trying to put into practice i think it's beautiful i think it's perfect i am one of those weird people who like looks up abandoned theme parks on <laughs> on the internet and and one of the most you know some of them are just it's just interesting how things have overgrown the 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 amusement park I grew up going to um no longer exists but they've made it into like a park like a state park mm -hmm. and just I wish that they would do something like that it's heartbreaking to look at where Jazzland was and to think about how many people had good times there and how many memories were made mm -hmm. there and first dates and, you know, family vacations, or even just, you know, locals going to hang out with their friend and go ride a roller coaster. Mm -hmm. And it's just sitting there like the, the graveyard. It is just so sad. And I just feel like your work just captured that, but also something else that I just couldn't, you know, quite articulate from my, my experience, but I think you captured it so beautifully. So yeah, thank yeah. you for that. I hope they continue to um, I mean, that Ferris wheel thing sounds amazing, but I love your work the way it is. <laughs> yeah, thank you. There's some, you know, a really, I, I, I met this organization down there while we were um, working on that. And they mentioned to me that they had been working the last 12 years to try to install a carousel at that same park. And so they were like, okay, like, great artwork and everything but why does it take an artist from out of town to come to our city and like get something up and so we spoke to them and had a few meetings and you know I listened and realized that like I don't have a whole lot of pull but I have access to people who do and so now we're working with these organizations to try to get them their carousel at the park and so a lot of this That's is amazing. I think is just like you know using the imagination and um and drive to to make the world maybe a little bit more of a interesting joyous place that's beautiful thank you for doing that on behalf of everybody who cares uh, about that about that area and that park i want to talk about um pillar in venice yeah. italy so you physically is it is this true you physically stood or lied down on a wooden structure outdoors that looked like a roller coaster for hours a day mm -hmm. so yeah pillar in venice that one was crazy because i didn't really you know and when i think of these things i'm like oh yeah we're gonna build this like two-story tall wooden sculpture and then i'm gonna walk along the track and stand on it for like six hours and in my head i'm just like this will be cool and then when it actually starts to happen I'm just like oh no what have I gotten myself into <laughs> kind of like what you're saying about x2 you know it's just kind of like why on Bell earth would back. anybody do this yeah. Goes back to x2. Uh, yeah um but so yeah that and then one day I remember it was like raining and I was just outside being like no one's making me do this like I've just I'm just here and thought this was a great idea but I do you know have um a lot of this stuff doesn't make sense to me at the time, but when I look back at it, I'm able to have, you know, they say 2020 is hindsight or hindsight is 2020. Um, but I'm able to to tease out what exactly it is that I'm like trying to work through. And I think that's what for me is like a really beautiful part about 
uh, being an artist is that I don't always know what I'm trying to say, but making these artworks is like leaving myself little, my future self um, messages or breadcrumbs uh, as to like how I was experiencing life at that time. And I remember 2017, I was having such an intense year just personally that the only way I could maybe find some peace and calm throughout that year was to stand on top of a two-story structure alone, like quietly in the rain. And that was like, you know, no one could touch me, no one could reach me. And I was just there and like finally found some semblance of peace. But I don't think I would have been able to speak about it in those terms then because I was on the hamster wheel yeah. but now looking back and now looking at everything that was happening with me around that year I think that work in particular was just another way to just breathe for a second wow it sounds like it comes from sort of a different place inside you and instead of speaking you make the art yeah. is that right yeah absolutely wow well, that is uh, an absolutely incredible piece for those of you need to, again, go to ejhill.info <laughs> and see it. You have to see it. That's no longer there though. Correct. It's not, it was just correct. there for a, okay. Yeah. For like wow. four months, four or five months, I think. And you did that every day? I only did that for like three or four days in the okay. beginning. And then I came back home. <laughs> wow. But, that, but there was one, the one at the studio museum, which was a smaller, that's the one with like the LED neon. Yeah. That's where uh, I was going next. <laughs> yeah, That one, I performed on that laying flat on that sculpture every day for about eight hours a day for three months. He's talking about uh, 2016, the studio museum in Harlem, New York. It was called a monumental offering of potential energy and it's like a wooden and neon indoor coaster I don't know how else to describe it and but with like a platform in the middle of it that he lied on for and people would just would they just come what would people do would they come up and try to talk to you or would they did yeah. anybody touch you did anybody what happens I had a few people touch me which was always a pretty jarring experience but um mostly they just came and you know, looked, um, people did try to talk to me. A lot of people thought I was asleep, but I was awake for almost all of it. Um, and you know, that one, that one's an interesting one too, because I think that's the one that I was saying earlier. I often say is like the first time roller coasters showed up in my work in a serious way. And while I was building that sculpture, um, you know, I had a studio on the third floor of the museum and I could only build it in five feet chunks at a time so I never got to see the whole thing put together until it was time for the show and so I thankfully all of my math checked out but I built oh that yeah, I built that over the course of like eight months and um as I was building it everyone's like so like are you going to build a train for it? Like, what's the, what's the cart situation going to be? And that whole time I was like, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Like that seems like maybe a little too much. Maybe it's just the track. And then almost at the 11th hour, you know, at the buzzer, I had this idea. I was like, no, like I'm the car, like my body is the vehicle. I am the train that traverses the ups and down of this life. And so I think I just need to be on the platform. I need to be on the loading uh, dock. I need to be on the track. And so that was sort of, that's where the title came from too. This kind of idea that like, you know, it's it's 
potential. It's not quite going through the course just yet, but it's like storing up all of this energy that is needed to um, complete the circuit. And so it ended up, again, being this really long, durational, meditative uh, artwork. Oh, that is so powerful. Did you, how did you deal with the fatigue and oh. <laughs> oh lots of pizza at the end of the day just oh, gorging yeah <laughs> exactly <laughs> just gorging as soon as I left the museum what would you say is um that was there a, a big difference for you in those pieces or were, were you coming from a different place or were you trying or were you saying a similar thing um between pillar and monumental yeah, so the monumental offering was 2016. So that was the year before the just one year before Pillar. And I think um, at that time, you know, I think it was when I decided that I was going to be performing um, on the platform of a monumental offering. It was just maybe like a couple weeks of the Pulse shooting um, oh in our uh, nightclub Orlando. shooting in Orlando. Yeah, I went to school in Orlando. I know no Pulse. Way. Yeah. Um, so it was just like a couple weeks before that. And I remember walking down the street and um, I hear these three men, you know, they're sitting on a stoop and I'm walking to the studio to continue working on the sculpture. And these three men, um, as I'm passing, one of them takes his his hand and makes like, you know, a gun gesture and goes pop, 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 put them all down while like pointing at me. <gasps> and, you know, like my queer identity is something I'm not like shy or quiet about. Um, and so I, you know, I don't think I was like, I don't know what I was doing that day or what I was wearing, but I don't remember being, you know, I wasn't like. Or whatever. There. Yeah. yeah. I, I was just like walking to my studio and I just remember feeling in that moment equal parts rage and sorrow. And so like I didn't even know what to do with that feeling in my body. Um, and so I went to the museum and that was when, you know, I kind of decided, okay, I think I have to be the physical representation of this um train. Um, because it's important that people engage my body it's important that like they're confronted with my body in all of its symbols and meanings and readings whether it's like a racialized body or gendered or um you know sexualized body it was like so important that at this time um where bodies were being um extinguished lives are being extinguished just for like presenting a certain way or being who they, who they are it felt particularly brave to be on full display for three months um, and Pillar, I think, came from a similar place, but um, more, uh, I think, assertive in just finding my own my own piece. And so when I talked about, you know, having like a tough time personally, it was just everything going on in the world at that time, which um, isn't a whole lot different from what's going on now. But oh my gosh, my jaw is just on the floor and just thinking about that experience of walking by and someone saying that especially so close after pulse and what that must have felt like I'm sorry that happened to you um your art is so beautiful and uh that's I mean this is what when people wonder you know what can we do there's you can you can do what you can do mm -hmm. and I think it's beautiful that you have this 
inspiration and you have this artistic mind and being that you're putting this something out in the world that is telling us from your perspective what it, what it's like and trying to get people to feel or understand I that's beautiful Thank that's you, really Jessica. beautiful no thanks for your art really um I had no idea uh it's that's money break <laughs> getting teary um okay you were physically in those installations but uh, if we're going to move on to Brava, uh, <laughs> not this one, mm -hmm. not in this one, not for Break Run Helix. So why did you choose that? Is there, was there a reason to, to not be part of this one? Did it ever occur to you to just ride the roller coaster yourself all day? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> um, yeah, I, luckily I, you know, when Chris, uh, Chris Gray and the Skyline team and everyone came out to um, help with the install and, and, and the building of the platform. We got to ride that thing so many times and it was <laughs> so fun. But I, as far as performing in this work, there have been about, there's been about maybe like 10 years of me making performance art pieces that um are as intense as pillar and a monumental offering of potential energy not all of them are on my website but i've you know i've had a good run doing these really difficult physical artworks and after a while i just i just felt like this is i can't sustain this you know like i can't my i can't continue putting my body and my mental and emotional state through this and so i made this conscious choice um that i would allow others to perform in my in my place and so that's part of where the two two-story velvet theater curtain comes from and the fact that brava is literally on a stage and there's like you know the title and all of the other language around this work in particular speaks to the language of theater and performance as I'm removing myself as uh, the, you know, main presence I'm giving or offering one person to have their moment in the spotlight. And one of my favorite parts about this artwork is that when the writer, AKA performer dismounts um there's a crowd of people who applaud every single time and there is yeah, oh that's not been spoiled for me it's so <laughs> fun and it's like and no one really ever tells anyone to do it but like the people who are there at the museum just like walking around um stop and watch this thing and then when it's over everyone claps every single time it's so fun it's it's so wild I kind of love that. I mean, that's sometimes what happens, but usually it's you who clap, like you, the yeah. writer who claps at the end of a coaster, or at least yeah. I do. <laughs> yeah. If it's been good, if I enjoyed it, <laughs> then okay. I'll usually clap. Wow. All right. So let's dig in here to, mm -hmm. to Brava and Break Run Helix. So where let's start, start from the beginning. Mm -hmm. um, where, what inspired you? Where did this start? So Allie, the curator of the exhibit, she reached out to me in about 2018 because she had seen images of Pillar the year before. And she mentioned, you know, the 
the building five gallery at mass mocha is um almost the length of a football field so it's like almost 100 yards it's not as wide as a football field but it's a huge gallery and she said when she's thinking about artists to work with for building five she's always looking for people who might be able to like handle all of that space without like, you know, being too daunted by it. And so when she saw pillar, she says that her first thought was like, huh, like here's someone who could maybe tackle that space. So she kept an eye on me for like a year before she finally reached out in 2018. And so we've been working on this for, yeah, since then, since 2018. And so I think it was just a natural progression of just like, that's where I was at that time working, just coming straight off the pillar. And so I have always, always wanted to um, design a, a functional roller coaster. And I think a monumental offering and pillar were just like, you know, appetizers for that. <laughs> um, and so I finally got the opportunity to do something wild and crazy. And I had been watching um and I feel like I'm watching videos all the time of, um, you know, POV vids mm -hmm. or a lot of the backyard coaster construction yeah. updates. And like, so that to me is art already, like people making sculpture in, the, in their backyards. It may not be in a museum with a curator and everything, but like the, the, the same technologies that are being used to build uh, two by four and PVC roller coasters in someone's backyard is literally the same stuff that I was using in the museum. So I think the only difference is the context, you know? And so it felt really important to me to stay true to that kind of like that I like to call heart work, you know, it just like is coming from that pure place of love. Um, and so when we got in touch, we did more research on um, who we could collaborate to build the actual rideable coaster because that was not something that museums insurance would trust me with <laughs> <I was gonna laughs> ask. um and so we got in touch with skyline had a few meetings with them and then hired them for the for the task and they really delivered um how does that conversation go yeah. i mean did you have already a design in mind did you already sort of you know like yeah how did what did what did you tell them <laughs> so I think my first meeting with um Chris and Evan was like you know we all nerded out about coasters in a way that I had never been able to do with anyone in the art world like yeah. there's just like it's not it's not that kind of space you know and so but when I got on the zoom with them they were approaching it as artists themselves and we talked about Robert Cartmel, who was also an artist himself, a painter, um, and like, you know, painted florals and coasters. And at that time I was painting florals and coasters. And it's so it just seemed too perfect that like both of my loves, like art and coasters, were converging finally. And it didn't have to feel so separate. And so when we had, when I had that initial Zoom with them and I realized that they're all artists as well, it just made so much sense to, to work with them on this. And so it, it became like a back and forth over many months about layout and color and cart design. And so it was, it was like a true collaboration in every sense of the word. Um, and, you know, they, they took their expertise and insight um, and we just met in the middle and, and yeah, created what we created. I have to ask this. This is a top question from yeah. when I ask people, when I told people that I was going to get to interview you. Yeah. 
ask him why pink <laughs> why uh, is the coaster pink <laughs> will you I, say if you if yeah. you want to say if you want to be a mystery <laughs> i will say i sometimes just get obsessed with like a certain song or a certain color or like a certain material or outfit and i will run it into the ground and pink just happens to be a color that is in all of my artwork for whatever reason and so I've been doing a lot of writing on what that might be and what it might mean and it's it's funny because I, I talked to a lot of people who were raised um girls and they were like yeah they were like afraid to like or not afraid to like pink but they felt pressured to like pink and so they hated pink but me I was never allowed to like pink um condition uh you know to be like to play sports do all the boys things but I was always teased for being like the the queerdo on the playground you know and so I feel like finally as an adult I can embrace pink and say that I love it and not be ashamed and afraid yeah. of it so I was like what could like what would the most like bold thing be is to like make a pink roller coaster because I don't know I love the color and it's it's not even really that deep other than it's my favorite color right now I love it that works yeah. I yeah. like that you know there's a lot of theories going around yeah. about why pink and I'd love we you heard it here yeah, I just <laughs> it's a cool color <laughs> it is a cool color um was there ever a time that you wanted it to I don't know be uh were there different versions of it or was it always pretty much what how it ended up Did, was there ever an inversion <laughs> was there uh, ever a... <laughs> I mean I'll be honest if I had like unlimited resources like this obviously would have been something way crazier but we are like indoors at a <laughs> yeah. museum I'm not a theme park exec I'm some dude in his living room in LA and <laughs> um the museum you know we were limited. a little more than that but okay yes, okay. <laughs> okay fair I'll take that um, yeah, I was we I was pretty limited uh, in terms of like what we could do in terms of timeline and finances and space because I did want to make some of the sculptures and uh, everything else that's in the front half of the space because Brava is only like maybe like 40, 50 percent of the gallery and then the rest are all of these sculptures that um, were made out of reclaimed wood um, and so. And they're all I, yours, right? This is the your first like yeah. solo big yeah. expo. Yeah, congrats. That's amazing. Thank you. Um, baby's all grown up. Yeah, look at you. Um, yeah, so I, you know, there's it's funny because uh, I was joking with a friend, I and they were like, Yeah, so how's the reception to the work band? And I'm like, you know what? Like everyone, it it's been pretty positive, but of course, I like any other warm-blooded human being will like I'll read the comments to see how people are like actually feeling and I was like oh, oh no I shouldn't do that but um it's it's been funny because I think um and I was talking to um Scott from Upstuff about this recently and oh I know Scott yeah, yeah. he does and, great POVs he did a really great POV of Brava if you haven't yeah. seen it Scott Schaefer from Upstop Media on TikTok and Instagram, and he's Coaster Force on YouTube, has some really amazing POVs. And he did a great one of Brava and also a POV of like himself yeah, writing yeah. it, which he doesn't normally do, but I like that he did it. So, anyway, sorry, you were saying. Yeah, we've like, it's been cool because I feel like because of Scott, I have been opened up to, uh, you know, the community that I felt like just only existed 
just out of arm's reach for me, you know, like the, it seemed like pretty impenetrable and uh, what's the word? Impenetrable. Yeah. It felt, it felt hard to like access and maybe in similar ways that like the art world feels hard to access for me um, because I'm just like a nervous, shy person just in general. But I think he um, like really like brought me into the fold in a way. And so I, I just remember reading some of the like comments in one of his videos and everyone's like, why doesn't it like go back up to the top? Like, doesn't he understand physics? And I'm like, yes, everybody, I do understand physics. And like, I know it doesn't make it all the way back to the top, but the difference between like a, a workable chain lift, and I'm just going to be really practical here, a workable chain lift on that versus like getting off the ride at the bottom and then having the car winch pulled back up was literally like almost about like a hundred thousand dollars. And we were just like, well, that like, we're not going to do that. So let's find a different way to do this. But yeah. it wasn't like, because I'm just some like total noob, you know? <laughs> and so I have to say that now that I have the opportunity to get the record straight, like I'm not just some person who literally has no idea how close work. He is aware. Yes. Thank you, everybody. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> the air has been cleared that's yeah. hilarious <laughs> that i'm like hanging on to that just like well, well, also, <laughs> i just the, i love the idea of you know the people who go to the mass mocha to absorb art and then the the coaster enthusiasts <laughs> that <laughs> might never have made it inside a museum might never have you know or that's just not their normal saturday afternoon and instead here they are and uh they're gonna see some art on the way out but they're gonna critique the <laughs> yeah. yeah and i'm gonna like secretly be like oh man they hate me <laughs> you know? well he had to do a pov because you yeah. know you gotta get everybody wants to see povs of everything but yes please be aware <laughs> this is special specific type of of coaster oh gosh that's really funny that even yeah. you have to deal with the comments <laughs> i know but you know i i'm i'm settling more and more um it's fine it's it's i still can't believe it like is a thing that exists in the world you know did, did there have to be any modifications to the coaster or the exhibit since you opened it uh no it's been um running smoothly ever i mean there were a couple times i think when in the beginning when we were figuring out the exact um calibration of the brake pad at the end which slows down the cart um there had to be some figuring out because it would roll back I mean the point was always that it would like roll back and forth to a stop but the brake was um calibrated to a point where it it rolled back through the course and sometimes like would stall out completely but now that's all fixed and now it okay. comes to comes to a very sweet stop Nice. Thank you, Skyline. Yeah. <laughs> so what would you say? Can you say? Would you say? Mm -hmm. Um, there's a there's clearly a message here mm -hmm. beyond the so this is, you know, I'm I'm picturing there's a curtain that opens as an actor myself, right? So oh, yeah. a curtain opens. I love that feeling anyway. It's just me. I'm by myself on a coaster. And now this isn't a private room, right? People mm -hmm. can sit and be an observer and watch mm -hmm. and then you take off on this coaster and at the end people applaud mm -hmm. is there it feels meaningful <laughs> it feels meaningful to be part i would think i haven't done it but i would think if i'm trying to like put myself there 
that there's something to be said for being part of this art work, art piece. But is there something else that maybe you want people to think about or? Yeah, I, you know, oh, this is this is such a great question. And I'm I'm gonna try to be as clear as possible because my my mind is racing right now trying to like hit all the points. Um, but a few different things. I often take or I've lately been taking cues from um, music and film and TV because at, at the end of all of those works, there's like a list of or in the beginning or the end, like a list of everyone who's contributed to the project. You know, at the end of a film, there's like 10 to 20 minutes of like even the person, you know, who got coffee for someone one day. Yeah. And like that's really beautiful to offer that kind of gratitude and thanks and to like give everyone their flowers and their shout outs. Um, that isn't a common practice in art, in visual arts. It's, you know, one artist's name big on the side of the wall or on the side of the museum, like, you know, come to see the EJ Hill exhibit. But there were so many hands that went into making this thing. And it's so much bigger than me. Um, and so I think about the liner notes at the you know, end of an album or the thank yous on the back sleeve of a CD or vinyl. And I wanted to sort of offer that in a similar way. So there's a list of everyone who contributed to the actual building of the project. Um, everyone from the graphic design team um, to the construction. Um, but additionally, furthermore, I, I really wanted to highlight the viewers, because oftentimes you talk about audience as just this like passive, you know, group of people who come to the thing and they sit in the theater seats and they watch. But I guess this was my way of like breaking that fourth wall in like a sculptural sense to have people really participate and then be elevated to the point of like literally elevated to the point of artists to the point of like, you're the most important person in this room right now for all of 30 seconds, all eyes are on you. You have your moment in the spotlight and it doesn't matter where you're from, how old you are, like, you know, what your like coded body is or is not, or however you're feeling that day, you can be intensely present and celebrated for this moment. And like this moment is all yours and no one can take it away from you. And so I'm trying to just like, offer what I've felt in this journey as an artist um, of adoration, admiration, celebration. And I'm kind of, you know, I I want to I want to give that out. I want to extend it out to anyone who wants to um, share it with me. And so this is just kind of like a the flip side of of that. It's, it's my credit. It's my credit reel. That's incredible. That's uh, a completely new way of telling a story too and I oh that's just so cool I need my reservation how long <laughs> is this uh there for it opened only uh, how long ago um, last year it opened at the end of October of 2022 mm -hmm. and it will be up until January 2024 all right, I still have a little bit of time, mm -hmm. a little bit of time. I went to the website for those wondering, go to Mass Mocha's website and uh, look for Brava or Break Run Helix. And there's a calendar there and you have to have reservations to the museum and then you can make a reservation 
hopefully <laughs> to ride the coaster. There's very, uh, there are a few reservations, but they do exist. So um, yeah, you can, you can get it and get, uh, be the star for, for a few moments there, be the artist, be the, be in the story. Um, I just think that's so great. So EJ, okay. I have so many more. I have so many questions. Yeah, <laughs> I could talk to you for, I'm totally. going to try to bring it down. <laughs> um, first of all, do you personally plan on creating more coaster inspired art exhibits or what, if not, then what, what is next? Are you willing to say what is next? Um, I absolutely plan on creating, you know, because this is like my center lane. This is like the, the thing that brings me joy. And so if there are more opportunities to just like access joy on this level, I will absolutely continue in this vein. Um, there are, I mean, it's right in your last name. We, we have, we talked about this. Your last name is Hill. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. yeah. I mean, it's like a calling, you know? It was right there this whole time. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. I, I'm, I'm definitely. This isn't the last um, coaster or you know theme park uh, related work that I'll make. Um, there are a few things on the horizon that I am not able to talk about yet. NDA, but, got it. Um, yeah, but I'm. Um, there's some exciting things happening and I'll say that. <laughs> All right. So yeah. this isn't it. This isn't it. This isn't it. All right. This no. is just the beginning. Mm -hmm. I love it. And now I want to ask you <laughs> if you had unlimited resources, mm -hmm. what would the coaster look like that mm -hmm. you would build? Ooh. Unlimited. Someone says, here's this space. It's mm -hmm. all yours. First of all, where would you want it to be? <laughs> and what would it look like? whoa i know damn I know. okay um this is i i think maybe i'll start with like the where part of this question mm -hmm. um because i i'm i'm drawn to the smaller like you know the smaller regional um moments and so i think i'd want you know i i kind of uh, a little nostalgic for the and this was never even like an experience of mine but like the the sort of like coney island model where there's like a park that you can access via public transportation you don't have to go like too far out of, you don't you know you know out of the city center um maybe there's like a handful of rides but it's not like a traveling thing it's permanent and so i you know thinking back to Jazz Land, New Orleans East, or thinking back to um, some of the empty lots that exist in my neighborhood post the 92 uprisings, like it would be so dope to have like a small ice cream shop, a mini coaster, um, you know, a, a train carousel, like just starting small, like in my neighborhood would be amazing. So I don't think I would go, you know, big and drastic. Um, I think it would be nice just to bring something a little closer to home for for those who, you know, can't make the 45 minute drive or an hour drive to Magic Mountain. Yeah, that's not a possible, you know, we were saying how fortunate we are that our home park is Magic Mountain, but even living in LA, it's not possible for some people to be able to get to to yeah. our parks and there are so many here and still whether it's financial reasons or location reasons mm -hmm. so yeah i like this idea mm. i'm in put you <laughs> a kickstarter i'll yeah. contribute <laughs> all right now we're going to do some little uh quick hits here 
Mm-hmm. at the end just uh to get to know you just a little bit more is it weird this, that this part i'm nervous about yes <laughs> no it's not it's not nervous and i was like i was saying yes as in yes uh, a lot of people get nervous for this so um all right right just like the first thing all right comes to your your head okay. and this like nobody's gonna hold mine changes <laughs> on you know the weekly so it's it's fair um but here we go ready wooden mm-hmm. or steel wooden really okay all right uh what's your favorite wooden coaster ghost rider yes knott's berry farm yeah love it it was a little tough there to ride for a while but it was right settled into itself i agree i've been telling people who haven't ridden it in a while that they should get back on it of course i actually haven't ridden since the cars have been changed since the train was updated it's better but now it takes so long to load like uh, so so long so just either get fast line or okay. <laughs> or just get settle in for a long <laughs> for a long line that's um all right if coasters are a piece of art which is the most beautiful Ooh, damn the most beautiful oh man um, you can't say your own you can't say your own this is i can't what you can't oh, say, say your own, own. yeah no, that's, that's not funny. fair I would, you know, I, the most beautiful, that's so hard. I think, I do think, oh, you said quick hits. This isn't very quick at all. Um, I don't know. I just think Twisted, is it, is it, yeah, I'm going to say Twisted Colossus only because it's, I'm at Magic Mountain like all the time and um, it's, it's just gorgeous what those lines do that like blue and the green and the white and how they just, it's almost like lyrical, you know, it's just, it's gorgeous. I love that that, (laughs) you didn't ask, but I love (laughs) that it's something that was so beloved by people that, you know, had so much history behind it that everybody thought was just gonna get run into the ground and instead has a whole new life. Mm -hmm. Like it's still there and it still looks similar, but better. (laughs) It's like caterpillar to butterfly, you know? I love it, I love it. Some people are like, oh, Frankenstein, like, I you know what? You take that back. I love yeah. it. You can't change my mind. Um, so, okay. I asked you favorite wooden, favorite steel coaster. Favorite steel. I mean, I feel, yeah, my favorite. You know what? I was really surprised by Maverick. It mm. was like, I don't know if I can say it's my like favorite, but it's what comes to mind because I was like, oh, this like looks cute and fun. And then I got on it and I was like, oh my God. <laughs> Um, and so it was like, it, it packed a punch in such a tiny space. And I, I remember feeling like really pleasantly surprised by that. Nice. Yeah. All right. Last one. Favorite theme park besides your home park. Favorite theme park besides my home park. Ooh. Um, I have this like weird sweet spot for Rye Playland. It's like Ooh. not... It's not big and, you know, dramatic, but uh, the dragons there and I had a really just memorable time on that. Like, so that for nostalgic purposes, um, I'm going to say Rye, which was probably like, 
I don't know. I'm now I'm so nervous. That's a okay. great answer. <laughs> I'm not going to read any of the comments on this I podcast. Really- <laughs> <laughs> we are a very supportive community. <laughs> Nobody judges. I don't think anybody judges anybody's favorites. It's yeah. like people's top 10 lists that. <laughs> That's so funny. <laughs> that uh, people have things to say about. If you were going to say, this is the absolute and I'll yeah. be all. But if you're just saying what your favorite is no. for now. Yeah. You know what? These things just came to mind, you know, just. Yeah. I was trying to be quick. Quick hits. Yes, quick hits. You know what I didn't ask? What happens to Brava after this uh, is over, after January 2024? Mm-hmm. Great question. Um, sort of one of the things currently being figured out that I um, am going to keep tight-lipped about for now. Okay. I mean, yeah. at, at least we'll save the car, I would hope. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, there's, um, there are some conversations happening. Okay. All right. We don't want you to get in trouble. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but anyway, uh, this has been so amazing talking to you really eye opening, just so wonderful. I'm so grateful um, for to to meet you. I hope we get to meet in person soon. We should go to a park. I would uh, love that. We should definitely go to a park. Yeah, and, and you're so close. I know, right? We're neighbors. So let me know what park you. There's so many here. We, we have a lot to choose from. Um, I hope you continue to create art. I can't wait to see some of your art in person. I can't wait to get a reservation. <laughs> and I'll let you know when I do. And um, yeah, just thank you, everybody. Again, ejhill.info. And if anybody wants to reach out to you, is there a way that people could get in touch or follow you? Are you on social media as well? Um, yeah, I have a contact form through my website. Um, I try to be really on top of it. Um, and then I do have an Instagram that I'm not very active or as active as I could be. But um, yeah, reach out, shout me out. And I promise I will get back. This sounds like a vo- like voicemail greeting from like <laughs> 1991 after the beep. And I will get back to you. No, but like I will work really hard to get back to you. But yeah, awesome. just holler. Is there any merch for Brava, by the way? Not yet. I want a Brava shirt. That's yeah. if I'm gonna get that credit, I'm gonna need that shirt. <laughs> yeah. Um, get get on it, whoever does those things. Um <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Anyway, also, if you want to reach out to me, have any questions for us here at the podcast, reach out at podcast at aceonline.org. And you can find us on all of social media at Ride with Ace. And of course, the website, ridewithace.com. Brava, Jessica. <laughs> no, <laughs> no thank, like, I, I want to thank you too also for this. Is, this has been really, really sweet. And I can't believe that I'm like able to speak to you in conjunction with ace like something that i've known about and thought about and obsessed over since i was tiny um this is really cool so thank you again thank you so much you're clearly doing what you're meant to do and we're just uh lucky to have you in our organization and thank you to all of you for listening we're lucky to have you too and we'll see you next time ride with us is produced by the american coaster enthusiasts a registered 501c3 organization Visit ridewithace.com for additional information and we will see you at the parks.